Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to Matthew Chapter 6, Matthew 6 is where we're going to begin, and we're going to start in verse number 9. And would you stand as we read God's Word? If you do not have a Bible, the words will be on the screen behind me. When we get to the prayer, I would like for us to read the prayer together. Jesus says, pray then like this, all together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Have you ever Googled your name on that Google machine? <laughs> you type your name in and you see what appears? Well, that practice is called ego surfing. And, and some of you have surfed a lot. There's actually a website that probably will be more searched uh, this weekend than, than any other time in its history that will tell you how many people in the United States have your same name. And so if you go to howmanyofme.com after the service, <laughs> you can find how many of you there are in the United States. And so I took some of the names from our staff and, and a few of our church members, and I, I wanted to see how many of them there were in the world. And so there are 1,764 David Georges, all right? Bill Smith. <laughs> there are only 1,644 of you in the United States. I thought there would be more. There are 549 Mark Bates, 237 Joanne Coxes, who Joanne serves in our preschool ministry, and we praise God for her, amen? Amen. Lindsey Graham, there are only 81 of you, and one is a senator. There are 52 Andy Wells, the gentleman who just baptized. There's 52 of them. There are two Alan Brumbacks, but there's only one April Brumback, because there ain't no woman like the one I got. People love to hear the sound of their name. Dale Carnegie said that, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. That's why we get aggravated or frustrated when someone forgets our name or misspells our name or mispronounces our name. We feel slighted or disrespected. But you know, as much as we love our name, there is a name that is greater than ours. 
This is the name that's above all names. It, we love his name. There's something about that name. We sing songs about his name. His name roars like a lion to the principalities of this world and causes them to shrink back in fear. In his name, mountains move, chains are loose, sickness is canceled, things that aren't are called into being. There is an amazing, awe-inspired power in the hallowed name of our God. And so as we go through the Lord's Prayer, we get to this phrase, hallowed be your name. The Lord's Prayer is not a rigid formula that we must pray. Yet every prayer should be informed and shaped by it. It is the prayer of prayers taught by the King of Kings. And what makes the Lord's Prayer so powerful is that it contains the entirety of Scripture. The entire Bible is condensed and put into that those phrases of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And yet one of the most misunderstood and often overlooked parts of the prayer is that phrase, hallowed be your name. And it's in my opinion that this phrase is the key that unlocks the rest of the prayer and will unlock your personal prayer life. And so the goal for the message this morning is this, is for us to learn that when we prioritize God's name in our life, we will see the power of God work in and through our prayer lives. Let's look at that. Number one, prioritizing the priority of hallowing God's name in our lives. Jesus says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not necessarily an everyday word. When's the last time you've used hallowed? It's kind of a churchy Christianese word. Uh, It's maybe only used in our modern vernacular around October 31st when we think of Halloween. Sometimes we may use this term in talking about a a location that is hallowed. Like when I speak of Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky, that is hallowed ground. (laughs) To hallow is to make holy, to utterly separate, to not treat as common, to treat as special, to treat as valuable, to treat as treasured above all in a class all by itself. If you were to come to our house, there would be three ways for you to have a drink of water. We have kind of three vessels. We have plastic cups, we have glass cups, and we have fine crystal goblets that were passed down to my wife from her grandmother. Now, let me just tell you something. You'll never use them. (laughs) Those goblets are not for ordinary consumption. They're just for admiring. They don't go in the dishwasher. The kids don't drink them. They're special. You don't even touch them, but you have them. They're hallowed. They're set apart in a class up into themselves. That's what that word hallowed means. And so Jesus says, hallowed be your name, the name. See, God's name is the sum totality of who God is. It's his character and his public reputation. God's name stands for God himself. You know, modern Western views of names is, are typically seen as labels that distinguish one person from another. But in the ancient Hebraic understanding of names, names were inseparable from the person. And so often how they viewed names then is how we would view nicknames today. And so if you ever saw somebody and you said, hey, Shorty, well, you called him Shorty, not because he was tall, but because he was vertically challenged. Or you said, hey, Slim. 
Well, you came and you called him slim because he's, uh, he's not the, a, a big guy. Or you came up to a person and said, hey, chubby. Uh, so these things here, these names are indistinguishable from the person. You can't think of God's name without thinking of who God is. And that's why the psalmist said in Psalm 8, 1, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Herman Babnick, who is a theologian, wrote that there is an intimate link between God and his name. We do not name God. God names himself. Summed up in his name is the honor, fame, excellencies, revelation, and his very being. When Moses wanted to know the name of God, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God says, I am who I am, Yahweh. In revealing himself as I am, it revealed his self-existence, his self-sufficiency, and his sovereignty. His name represents his inexhaustibility, his immutability, his eternality, and his supremacy over all things. God says to Moses, I am who I am. I don't fit in any of your boxes. I am who I am and will forever be I am. You don't define me. God says, I define me. And all throughout the Bible, God is concerned for his name. Exodus 20, verse 7, a part of the Decalogue. God says, you shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Isaiah 48, 11, for my own sake, for my own sake I do it. How should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 14, but I acted for the sake of my name, that I should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. And then Leviticus 24, verse 16, whoever blasphemes the name shall die. See, one of the things you have to understand as you read the Bible is that God is for God. You may think, well, how arrogant, how egotistical, but God is really the only one who has the right and the ability to be arrogant. He's God. God does not revolve around us. We revolve around him. God's motivation behind every blessing and all the love that he gives us is not because we are great, but because he is great. God does not love us because we are valuable, but we are valuable because God loves us. And God being for God is always for his glory. And because we are united with him and Jesus, it is for our good. And so when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, that was not an acclamation. That was a petition. It's not just an acknowledgement of an existing truth, but it was a prayer request. It is the greatest prayer request. John Piper said that the most important prayer is that the most important person in the universe do the most important act in the universe to hallow his name. When you are saying, hallowed be thy name, we are praying, God, act in such a way that visibly demonstrates your holiness and glory in my life and in the world. See, this is the first petition. Our father is who it's addressed to, but hallowed be your name is again not an acclamation, but it is a request. And it's the first request because it's the first importance, a first of importance. 
See, God's name is holy and there's nothing that can change that by asking for it. But when we ask that God's name be made holy in us and in the world around us, it is the request that sets the tone for the rest of our prayers. All that we ask God for must flow from this all-consuming desire to hallow God's name. This is not a microscope prayer. This is a telescope prayer. A microscope makes small things appear big. When you pray, hallowed be your name, you're not praying that God's name would be bigger or holier than it already is because God's name is infinitely holy. But this is a telescope prayer. A telescope brings distant and massive things up close and into view. And so when you pray, hallowed be your name, we are saying, God, would you be in greater view in my life? See, the majority of our prayers are often centered on us. They're often about us and our needs. We, we may start off with a few thank yous. We may say thank you for this and thank you for that, but then we go into the gimme, gimme, gimme's. And our prayer focus is not on God, but it's on us. And so Jesus here in the very first petition sets the tone that helps us move our attention past ourselves and on to God. As a matter of fact, all the other requests in the Lord's prayer are not ultimately about us, but it's about us hallowing the name of God. See, when we see God's majesty, when we see God's wisdom, then we ask that his kingdom come and his will be done. But when we see his perfections in light of our imperfections, it causes us to say, forgive me of my sins. When we see God's goodness and his grace, it, it leads us to see our helplessness and to ask God for daily provision and protection. Al Mohler, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, said this. He says, we cannot treasure or hallow God if we're dead from starvation or in despair over our sins or in the path of destruction from spiritual attack. So God provides practical support of daily bread, forgiveness of sin and deliverance from evil so that we can hallow his name. Everything in life flows out of our worship and adoration of God. Everything flows out of our worship of God. And so this petition is first, and therefore it should be the priority of our lives. And so not only do we see the priority of hallowing God's name in our lives, but I want you to see the power of hallowing God's name in your life. When you pray this prayer, it changes you. It changes you personally. See, this request is asking our Father to give us a higher view and a proper attitude towards Him, which should be the basis of our entire lives. We are not praying this prayer so that God would be more holier than He is. We are praying this prayer so that God would be more holier in our lives, that He would be higher and highly lifted up in our sinful hearts and minds. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, said this, the vitality of prayer lies largely in the vision of God that prompts it. Drab thoughts of God make prayer dull. In other words, our prayers are dull and boring because our view of God is dull and boring. See, our prayer life is dependent on how we view God, how we see God. And the higher that we view him, the more we want to spend time with him. This week, my boys and I had the privilege of going to uh, an event put on by Southwestern FCA, 
Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was their annual banquet. And the, the main speaker at this banquet was a guy that you maybe heard of. His name is Tim Tebow. I didn't tell the boys until the day before what we were doing, where we were going. But I want you to understand that I did not have to motivate them to go. I didn't have to bribe them, nor did I have to threaten them. They were excited and eager to go. And as a matter of fact, they had the opportunity to personally meet Tim Tebow and get a picture with them. And when they came into his presence and they came out of his presence, they were beaming ear to ear. Why is that? Because they had a high view of who Tim Tebow is. Not only is he a Christian, but he is an athlete. He is known. He is well sought after. And they had a high view of him. Their thoughts of him gave them a desire to want to spend time with him because they said, oh, wow, how cool, how awesome would it be to spend time with Tim Tebow? And I began to think about that. And if, if we could be so eager to meet a former Florida, Florida Gator, how much more eager should we be, should we have the desire to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is infinitely more important than anyone else? See, if you struggle in your prayer life, it's because your view of God is too low. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high and low thoughts of God. See, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're asking God to do two things. This is a soft command. We're saying, God, hallow your name and hallow your name in my life. And so when we pray this, we're saying, God, number one, be most wonderful in my life. God, I'm not just seeing you as a means to get something else that I think is better. But God, I see you as the best, the most important, the greatest treasure and gift in my life. When you pray, hallowed be your name, it sets the tone. We don't just see God as being useful, we see God as being wonderful. Tim Keller says that in religion, people obey God because he's useful. In Christianity, we obey God because he's wonderful. See, we love what we find most wonderful to us. Augustine said that our identity and behavior is a function of what we love most. The main human problem is that sadly we misidentify what makes us happy. As the great theologian says, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Sadly, we either love what we ought not to love or we fail to love what we ought to love. Or we love more what we should love less or we love less what we should love more. And so the reason for our misery in life is that we do not love God supremely. If you've been following along with our church reading plan, yesterday we saw the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Sadly, we don't see God as the most wonderful in our lives. We see other things like money or relationships, career, possessions, positions, prestige, power, basketball teams, comfort, more than we see God as the source of all that's wonderful. We worship those things. The indictment of humanity is that we worship the created more than we worship the creator. And yet, we're miserable. If you want to break free from that misery, you have to change what you worship. 
See, all your anger and anxiety and discouragement in life come from as a result of not seeing God as most wonderful in your life. See, seeing God as holy, wonderful, means that you see him as being better than anything you would ever ask from him. You know, sadly, I think that many of us, when we come to God in prayer, we come to him asking for something that we find more wonderful than him. We ask for our health because we think our health is more important than him. We ask for protection for our family because we believe our family is greater and more wonderful than him. We ask God to help us financially because we believe that our money is more important than him. But the psalmist said this, who have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What good is the gift without the giver? But sadly, we want the gift more than we want the giver. And so when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are saying, Lord, you are all I want. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. God, be most wonderful in my life. Secondly, God, be most worthy in my life. God, I want my life to be for your glory. I want my life to be about your fame. When I pray, hallowed be your name, I'm reorienting my prayer and my thoughts to say that, God, it's not about my needs being met, but your glory being known. That my life is not about me or my pleasure, but it's making much of your name and your kingdom. The Westminster Confession asked the question, what is the purpose of man? The answer in that shorter catechism is that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The purpose of our lives is not to make a name for ourselves, but to make much of his name. The psalmist said in Psalm 115, not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. When we ask God to hallow his name, we are asking him to help us use our lives and live our lives in such a way that would never dishonor his name. In good days or bad days, God, may I never do anything that cheapens or diminishes your name. Do you understand that you represent him? I represent him. You represent him. You know, one thing that I've learned about Naples is this. Naples is a big, small town. Everybody knows everybody. And people talk. And so yesterday I was driving home after Kentucky got defeated. I was not very happy. I was driving back to my house in my neighborhood. And, and I was... I was going the speed limit-ish <laughs> through, through the neighborhood. Um, and as I got closer to my house, there was a lady in the middle of the road with two little dogs in the middle of the road. 
And so I slowed down-ish and let her pass. I was very kind, courteous, but she got upset with me. She wants you to listen. I'm going to bear my soul right now. And if you happen to be in the room and you were that lady with those two dogs, (laughs) please hear my heart. I am sorry. As I was doing that, I I pulled in and there was another guy that was walking alongside the pathway kind of close by. So, you know, in my neighborhood, you kind of have to weave and, and dodge and weave a little bit. And so I, I, was, I pulled into to my, to my driveway there, and, and I have a very distinguishable truck. There's probably no one else in all of Naples that has a blue truck like I have. Um, and so I, I drive in, and she walks off. Again, I, 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 you know, I was, I, I was a good boy. And so this guy walks, and he, he, I come out of my vehicle, and he, he stops, and he says, Hey, are you the pastor of First Baptist Naples? I've never met this guy in my life. And I sheepishly said, yes. He said, is that how the pastor of First Baptist Church of Naples drives? Now, I was driving safe. I mean, I was, I was being a good boy. And, and he, he later said, I, he said I'm, just, I'm just kidding with you. I'm just kidding with you. And he, he said, I don't go to your church. I said, good. And, but he knew who I was and it got me thinking, I've never met this turkey before. And yet he knew who I was. And I began to think I am representing the church as the pastor in the community. So I have to be careful. It's a responsibility. I have to be careful how I drive around town so I can't cut people off anymore. (laughs) Wow. But as much as I represent First Baptist Church of Naples in the community, even more, I represent King Jesus. And I don't want to do anything that would ever diminish or tarnish his name in the community. And neither should you. And so when you pray, hallowed be your name, you are saying, God, I want in my life nothing that would diminish your name. J.D. Greer in his book, Just Ask, says, when God is most beautiful to us, we recognize him as most worthy of our praise that enables us to say, however my day goes, and whatever you do with what I'm about to ask you, Father, you are all I need, and your praise is what I want most, so hallowed be your name. This prayer request not only changes us personally, but it changes the world globally. When you pray, hallowed be your name, the prayer is asking that God's name would be treasured, loved, valued, honored above all in your life. But not only in your life, but in the lives of others. This is an evangelistic prayer. It is that God's name would be known and would be famous, not only in my life, but in the world around me. That's why Peter says something very similar in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, hallow, honor, Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you the reason of hope that is in you, 
yet do it with gentleness and respect. That when you honor Christ in your heart, people are going to ask you why. And when you are asked why, you need to be able to give a defense. See, if you struggle sharing the gospel with people, it may be because you've not hallowed God's name in your life. To the degree that you make Jesus known in your life, that he's number one in your life, is the degree that you'll make him known. Listen, none of you have to ever question whether or not I love the University of Kentucky. You want to know why? I'll tell you about it. You don't ever have to worry about whether or not somebody loves the University of Alabama. Why? They run around very obnoxiously and say, roll tide. <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about Georgia Bulldog fans for the next 40 years because they won't win another championship. <laughs> Just kidding. But they'll say, go dogs. Why? Because they love them. What you love, you talk about. You, you don't ever really have to ask grandparents about their grandkids. Why? They'll tell you about them. You share what you love the most, what you value the most, what you treasure the most. And if you don't share Jesus, you know why? You don't cherish him the most. You don't value him the most. And you may not love him the most. But when you pray, hallowed be your name, you're asking God, not only would your name be hallowed in my life, but that your name would be hallowed in the nations and in this nation and in my neighborhood. Hallowed be your name. Well, let me end with this. The key to desiring and praying that God's name would be hallowed in your life and in the world, the key to that is only, only possible through knowing and experiencing God. The psalmist put it this way. David says in Psalm 9, verse 10, those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. That word know, yada, to know, not only to know about, but to know through experience. Those who know through experience your name, what do they do? They put their trust in you. Uh, Proverbs, Solomon says, his David's son, Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and they're safe. See, God has many names in the Bible. And you may be asking, well, preacher, what's his real name? Well, it all depends on the mess you're in. Because God has a name that relates to every situation you're facing. If you've been reading with the church through the Bible, or maybe you're in your own plan, you've probably read in Genesis, and you've gone further, perhaps. And all throughout the Bible, you see the different names of God. In Genesis 1, his name is Elohim. He is the creator God, the God who stood on the platform of nothing and spoke everything into existence. He is the God who can create something out of nothing. And so in your life, he can make something out of nothing in your life. Later on, his name is El Elyon, the most high God. He is the God who is on top and above all. And so God is on top of the mess that's messing with you. In the Bible, you'll continue in Genesis and you'll see his name is El Shaddai, God Almighty. He is the God who is stronger and more powerful than anything picking on you and anything you're facing. When you feel weak and have no strength, God has all the strength that you need. You'll see the name El Roy, 
the God who sees. When you think no one cares, when you think no one's watching, he sees what you're doing and he sees what others are doing to you. His name is El Olam, the everlasting God. Time is no problem for him. We are in a hurry, but God is not. He's got all the time he needs and he will take the time to do the things at the right time every time you need him. He is Jehovah. I am who I am. The God who is God all by himself. He is the covenant keeping, never failing lover of your soul whose love never fails, never gives up, and never runs out. He always keeps his promises. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. When things seem hopeless and you feel helpless, where there is no supply, God supplies. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. He can bring calm where there's uncertainty, rest where there's restlessness, and peace to any and all hostility. He is Jehovah Nisi, the God who is our banner, who fights our battles and gives us the ultimate victory. He is Jehovah Rai, the Lord who is our shepherd. When you don't know where to go, when you don't know what to do, he leads and he guides you. And yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil, for his rod and his staff are ever with thee. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. The doctors may have a word, but they do not have the final word. He is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. He is the God of angel armies who stands before you and stands beside you. He is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is always there. You may feel alone. You may feel afraid. And yet he will never leave you. He'll never leave you alone. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the God who is my righteousness. That when I fail, when I fall, when I sin, I can come to him. You say, preacher, I can't remember all those names. I can't even pronounce most of them. Well, I want you to remember the one name that Jesus taught us to call him. And that name is Daddy. And your daddy is the highest of the high, the greatest of the great. The old folks said he's the will in the middle of the will and the balm in Gilead. He's so wide, you can't get around him. He's so high, you can't get over him. He's so low, you can't get under him. He is in time, on time, every time. He's a doctor in the sick room. He's a lawyer in the courtroom. He's the light in the dark room. He's the bridge over troubled waters. He's the father to the fatherless, the mother to the motherless, and the ever-present help in time of need. You don't have to speak Hebrew, and you don't have to know Greek, but all you need to know is he's your father in heaven. So worship his name, praise his name, never get over his name, live for his name, die for his name, and make his name known in Naples to the nations. <laughs> Hallowed be thy name. Whatever you're facing, God is greater. Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. There's just something about that name. 
kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's one name that will never. Father, I pray right now for those in this room that are struggling, that have issues in their life, that need you, Lord, that they would come to you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. So Father, today, would you help us to hallow your name? Would your name be the only thing that matters to me? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand and let's sing. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's Word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church. Go out and be the church. Have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.